Hello and welcome to a live episode of Pop Culture on The Program with Carrie Smith. This is still a relatively new channel, so if you found your way here by mistake, please hit subscribe. Uh, I'm joined tonight by the wonderful, the talented Mystery Chris. Hello, how are you, sir? Howdy, how are you? I'm good. One of these nights you're going to do the intro. I think that would be fun. <laughs> That's going to go through. <laughs> And then tonight, we also have another special guest, also behind an avatar. Everybody welcome. You know him, Comics Division. Not intentionally, mind you. It's mainly because my camera is refusing to agree with me tonight. That's that's totally fine. I think maybe I should switch to an avatar. <laughs> and then we can all match. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we are going to talk about anime tonight. Uh, Chris, you picked this topic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose this one? Because I know very little about anime. I've seen like a lot of the basic stuff, you know, the Akira's and Ghost in the Shell. Um, I've seen the uh, Mirazaki uh, one, Spirited Away. I've seen all that. Most of the stuff I've seen is like robot stuff, you know, Macross Plus and all that. But Dude, I don't robot know. Robot stuff is the best, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun just to kind of like talk about it, explore it. You know, I think, you know, we both, you and Carrie, and on comics, you know, more than both of us combined. But <laughs> I think we could like do a nice little exploration and talk about all the influences in, in anime and, you know, Japanese culture. It is becoming a lot more popular. I, um, Cole, if you can find that link I sent you on Telegram, just of the market share and how it's growing in the US, the number of people here who are watching anime, buying manga uh, has been exploding. And so we can look at those numbers if you want, which I think that makes it a little bit relevant. I know more people now, I'm like you, Chris, I've mostly, I've watched things in college, like, uh, like Ghost in the Shell. I've seen Spirited Away. That's pretty much <laughs> where I'm at with it. Can you make well, that a the little funny thing about it is the reason why people are switching over to, you know, manga and anime is because it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that before. And that's why I asked you to join us tonight, because I want you to make the case for why it doesn't suck. Um, if you guys are just listening on the screen, we have this article that that's the U.S. anime market. And you can see. You don't even have to look at the numbers. You can just see it visually represented in a bar graph how much it's been growing per year. Um, there are more people consuming it. And as you say, comics, you think it's because it doesn't suck. What do you mean by that? Okay. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, at least from the manga standpoint, um, manga has been supplanting American comics mainly because the storytelling is just that, it's sticking storytelling, where like Marvel and DC have really been injecting identity politics into their stories. The art is terrible, the writing is terrible. You, you have a lot of um, old school comic fans wanting something else. And, and manga is the, surely, it's like a comic book. Yeah, right? manga is essentially it's a comic book. Um, it is, um, you know, you you read it from right to left rather than left to right. Um, oh, oh, I um, trying to think of the best way of putting it. A, a lot of them, they're, they're for the most part, they're kind of like published in and what you we would call here like the trade format. Uh, I, I I somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but typically when uh, they're printed, it's usually like in an anthology. You have a bunch of different stories that come out monthly uh, in, in book. one book, yeah, and then you know you have like a compilation of the entire volume that gets released. Um, and, and that, that's basically kind of their format. Now, the, the issue, like I said, with American comics, you know, starting, 
I, I would say I really started noticing it probably like around 20, I want to say it was 2015. Um, you had all new, all different with Marvel, where they basically went and replaced all their legacy characters with uh, diversity replacements. And it went over like a bag of hammers. Uh, it wasn't very popular. Uh, people complained. That's where, you know, Comicsgate kind of started in, um, I guess, 2017. Mm -hmm. 2016, 2017, I think it's really where it got the worst. Um, and like a lot of old school comic book fans are going to manga because the manga had better stories. Uh, the artwork has always been a very specific style, uh, but it doesn't suck. And like I said, you, you have a lot more compelling stories. What kind of characters. manga? What kind of manga do you read? Uh, I, I honestly, um, I love Ghost in the Shell. Um, obviously, a lot of people do. Um, it's, um, you know, it's sci-fi, cyberpunk. I, I, I freaking love it. Uh, I've, I've gone through all, all those volumes, uh, but I'm also a big fan of the Japanese interpretation of fantasy, like, you know, D&D. &D. And uh, uh, it's, it's funny because one of the things that we'll be talking about, uh, Rising of the Shield Hero, kind of, you know, covers that a little bit. And it, it's it's really kind of funny how, like, um, an American comic book on, like, like a D&D &D property is just that it's D&D, &D, you know, uh, where where the the Japanese interpretation is like, it is D and D essentially, but it, it, it's like, like the rules and the characters and and you know kind of like the behind the scene jokes, like with um, hit points and stuff like that is kind of made in 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 the um, the series. Uh, I really like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of fantasy, which is funny considering I'm not like a huge Lord of the Rings fan, like a lot of people I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's like. Um, I, it, it's, it's just, I, I really like their take on it. Goblin Slayer is a, just a really good story. Uh, that one gets railed on a lot by the SJWs because of the subject matter. Um, same thing with rising. Goblins. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, goblins are people too. Yeah. Goblins are people too. Um, trying to think what, what, what does attack on Titan kind of fall under uh, that, that I, um, I, I'm almost done. I, I need to go and pick up the final volumes of, of Attack on Titan, but that, that that one is a really good story. They made a live action of that like maybe a few years ago, right? Or am I making that up? Could what do you mean? Uh, a live action of Attack on Titan? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they did. I mean, there, there's a few things out there where they've done... The the Japanese are the ones that should be doing the, the adaptation because they, they <laughs> do the material, right? Right. They, they did a live action adaptation of... Full Metal Alchemist, which is also a really great series. And, um, of course, there's the Americans who went and, and tried their own version of Cowboy Bebop, which was completely <laughs> I could not get through the first 15 minutes of the show. I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> what was the worst part of that in the show? Oh, God. Um, it, it, it was just bad. I mean, that's... Anime and manga is something that is really, really difficult to adapt to live action. And, and, and a lot of it is it doesn't translate. Something works fine in a cartoon doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate well in live action. And a, and a really good example of this is Ed, who is one of my favorite characters of the series. And she's kind of like this goofy, spastic, over-the-top hacker girl. And that she was like the only character I think that they stayed true to in the series. And it just looked awful. It just looked uh, absolutely awful. 
absolutely awful. I think so much of it is because that style is so fanciful. Just the way that it's drawn is you're saying it's hard to do it live action and it's really different than American style comics. I mean, everybody has big, huge eyes, um, different colored hair. There's different kinds of non-human characters in a lot of the anime I've seen. And I don't know how you would, I don't know how you would bring all that to life in a way that doesn't look kind of cheesy. Yeah. Do you think that's uh, part well, of it? Let me, let me see if I can find the, the actual live action photo of Ed. I mean, she just, it, it looks, it looks terrible. It really does. <laughs> but uh, she's the most accurate out of all the characters in in the, the show, the way she, she looked. Um, the the oh, other really? thing, too, is that um, that really kind of made me mad is that they they totally mess with Faye Valentine's character. Faye Valentine, Cowboy uh, Bebop, kind of first off, is, is a noir story. And Faye is uh, the femme fatale. And they totally mess with her character. And, you know, they... they Desexified her, which is a, mm. a big part of her character, and it's not just because she's. Yeah, that's it right there. Thanks, Cole. Oh, <laughs> it mm. looks awful. <laughs> little uh, drop dead Freddish. Yeah, it, it really uh. is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they 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 totally ruined her character. You know, I mean, the whole the whole thing is that Faye is kind of this. Um, She's a person out of time. She's kind of lost, got taken advantage of. And, you know, to a certain degree, it's probably a bit on the kooky side uh, because of all the bad things that happened to her in the future. Um, but she she's an attractive woman and she knows it and she uses it to her advantage. Um, and, you know, she's got a lot of personality. She, she kicks a lot of ass. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, she's just like the other two characters in the story. You know, they're all they're all damaged in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, Jet was a former cop that ended up losing his job along with his arm. Uh, Spike is a uh, former member of the Yakuza who, for the most part, died and also, you know, lost an eye. Uh, so you, you kind of have like these themes of, of, of loss, not only just of, um, of things that happened to you in the past, but also you know, physically, um, where Faye basically was in an accident and should have died and was basically put on stasis for years. And, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, the, all three characters, they're, they're all just, you know, beautifully damaged them in their own way. Mm -hmm. And they all, you know, by the end, you know, the end of the story, they all kind of come to terms with the things that are going on. You know, Faye finally figures out who she is. Jet has to come to terms with, um, you know, the issues with his wife and, you know, losing his job. And then, you know, on top of that, losing his friends. And, uh, you know, Spike ends up losing his life. Or you know, it's alluded to. Um, you, it, it's it's a it's a fantastic story. You you said you like fantasy and and this sounds like dystopia and like cyberpunk. Are you the one who recommended that we read Neuromancer and Book Club? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Okay. It, you, Neuram I, I, if you read the entire Sprawl trilogy, it's it's fantastic. And um, when I'm when I'm finishing reading now is. Um, the Takashi Kovach uh, series, which is basically what you have altered carbon, you know, the, the adaptation uh, pales in comparison to the actual book. I mean, oh. they, they, they ruined so much. I didn't know uh, it was based on a book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, I've, I've owned altered carbon for a number of years. Um, it's funny. It's like, I own the book. I never read it. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I got to read these books now. <laughs> wait, wait, what is the book called? Altered carbon. Altered carbon. Okay. 
Thank you. Yeah. And, and the, the whole idea is that, um, you know, the, the body that you're in is for the most part kind of disposable. And the thing I like about it is that um, through the, throughout the, uh, the three books, uh, Kovach goes and he has uh, multiple different bodies. Because uh, the one he starts off in with Alter Carbon is basically, you could say it's kind of rented. Uh, he, the, you know, the body he's in belongs to this um, uh, San Francisco cop, uh, which they call Bay City now. And um, in the next one, he is a basically a mercenary um, you know, fighting this war on this other other planet. And he's in uh, this Afro-Cuban body, which is um, very, very similar to what they're trying to do with a Anthony Mackie in um, uh, season two. Uh, and then and the third one, which is uh, the final one, uh, that's also where you get into the whole thing with uh, Quellcrest Falconer, um, who they kind of forced into to season two and, and to a certain degree season one. And again, they, they completely screw up her story. And it's just uh, I highly rec recommend the book series. Book two is good. It's not as good as the first one or the third one, but it's definitely uh, worth it. I, I enjoyed Alter Carbon season one for what it was. I mean, it was done pretty well. But like I said, the, if they actually stuck true to the story uh, from the books, I think it would have been, you know, 10 times better. I wonder if that made like a excellent way. Like if Hollywood really wanted to deal with, you know, uh, identity, since that's a big part of, you know, the social justice stuff with, you know, trans and body, you know, dysphoria. And well, stuff. They, they kind of That'd be an excellent way to kind of do that. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they do to a degree. Because uh, in the um, in the series, um, there there was a character who was in the book, but not really in the book. She's kind of mentioned, uh, but they kind of made her a big part. And the mom gets cross sleeve, which is basically means that if you're if you're a male, you get put into a female body, uh, and and vice versa. So I mean, there's definitely some interesting things you can do with it. And, and the the thing I like about it is it gives you the opportunity to kind of sw swap out your lead, like what they did with Anthony Mackie. Uh, I, I thought he did fine. Just, just the story for season two was garbage. <laughs> See, that would have been like so much better for like Star Trek Discovery. You know, I don't know if you've been watching any of that. No, thank I God. Not. No, I, <laughs> I, I yes. watched uh, season one of Picard and I, I can't bring myself to watch season uh, two. Because uh, it, it, in season three, Carrie, I don't know if I'm sure we've talked about this, but a trans individual yeah. person who's actually trans and a non-binary person and this trans person lives in the head of the non-binary person and so there's an arc arc i put that in quotes where they get the trans person out of the non-binary's head and put this trans person into a physical body and there you go <laughs> that's the story that's so, right yeah it's on the that started discovery. Yeah, it's completely on the nose. There's again the whole idea of allegory just gone completely out the window. Where they're just doing literal, just taking something, putting it in Star Trek without any kind of thoughtful idea or reducing it to the basic philosophical, you know, idea principles of it. That's just right there in front of you on the nose, ham fisted. Well, I the thing that I thought was interesting is they actually kind of dealt with the concept of like you know gender gender identity or in being non-binary in, in uh, next gen back in the early nineties. Right. Right. And it was Rocker falls better. in love with that, you yeah. know, non-gendered alien. Yeah. It sounds weird, Carrie. I know like, no, <laughs> we, I remember you talking, I remember you talking about that and you said that's when it was handled 
like well mm-hmm. in, in an yeah. interesting way. And interesting. this is sort of force-fed trans ideology. I thought you were going to say that somebody else moved into the head, and then it was like three's company in the brain. <laughs> <not binary. laughs> um, I bet the I bet the uh, what do they call it now? Dissociative identity disorder people love that plot line. They're the ones yeah. that believe that they have multiple identities. They used to call it uh, multiple personality. Multiple personality. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to do a couple of these super chats going up behind and see if you guys know what this is about. Aiken, why are you going to make me read this? <laughs> For a change of pace, I recommend Supper Cub, Super Cub, and I, I can't read it. Komi Sanwa. Can you read that, uh, comics? Are you kidding? I'm dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but thank you for the chat. Do you guys? Do you guys? Know I want to pronounce it in a very offensive accent, but I won't do it. <laughs> I think you should. Come <laughs> on, Oh no! <laughs> Canceled. Uh, Ken, hello, Ken. Ken subs, please go in depth on the cultural significance of Akira. Do either of you want to take a stab at that? I yeah, I mean, it, it, okay, so obviously uh, Japan getting nuked has, you know, high, has impacted the country quite a bit. And you, you could say to a degree, uh, Akira kind of deals with that. You see it, you see that in like the same thing with Godzilla, right? Uh, this is like the whole thing with, you know, weapons of mass destruction. Um, so the, obviously that is a significant theme to Akira uh, when it comes to weapons of mass destruction. I mean, it starts with Japan getting nuked. Um, in World War Three, I think it's World War Three. It's been a while since I've watched Akira, and then you have, um, I think it's Canada, where he basically kind of becomes a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> so they're kind of obsessed with annihilation. Yeah, that actually touches upon one of my articles. Uh, this would be a good time to pull that up, Cole. If you could pull up the article that says atomic bomb and anime, please. Because when I was in college, I was speaking to a guy and I was kind of, you know, discussing what influence went into creating the Japanese culture. And, you know, his theory was that, you know, the atomic bomb had a, obviously had an impact. But oh, absolutely. That was, you know, primarily the thing that kind of, kind of made things weird. Thank you, Tetsuo. Oh, that's right. It was Tetsuo. Kaneda is the main character. Yeah. If you could scroll down to the... Um, break where it says orphan and mutants, please. Is that big enough for you to read? Cool. Yeah, yes. Chris? Oh, I, I, I've also pulled it up on my browser. Okay, cool. So uh, I'm just going to read just a little bit. So it uh, says, there were also after effects of the bomb, some which are still felt today. Children left parentless, others, even the unborn, left permanently crippled by radiation. For these reasons, a recurrent theme in anime films is the orphan who has to survive on his own without the help of adults, many who are portrayed as incompetent. Ekuyuya uh, Nusaka relayed his personal experiences as a child during the war in a popular anime film, The Grave of the Fireflies, which tells the story of a young boy and his sister escaping from air raids and the firebombs scrapping by on whatever rations they could find during the last part of the war. And then it goes down, uh, likewise, in Katsuryo Atomotus, uh, Akira, the adults are the ones who are squalable. They jockey for power. They lust for control of the strange. Alien technology of Akira causes the atomic bomb-like catastrophe at the end of the film. The teenage characters, on the other hand, display common sense throughout the movie. The message seems to be that adults can be reckless with man's desire for power and ambition. 
and ambition outweigh what is important on earth and the children still untainted by the vices that overtake humanity in adulthood and innocent enough to the point of thinking rationality are the ones who end up making the most practical decisions overall. Wow, it goes on, but yeah. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. That the, it's, the, it's, a, it's a good one. I, I, I highly recommend it. I, I would honestly recommend watching the version from the 80s before they went and redubbed it uh, back in 2000. Why did they do that? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just <laughs> well, like, you know, Saban, Saban has an. I, I don't remember who released it. I know that Saban has a nasty habit of doing stuff like that. But um, oh, it's the Power Rangers, folks. Mm. Yeah, you mean uh, watching watching it with the subtitles rather than the dubbing? Well, no, I mean because it, it it was uh, it was dubbed in the eighties when, it, when oh, it came out okay. in the U.S. and they ended up redubbing it. Uh, I want to say in the two thousands. Because uh, it, 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 I, I went, I went and uh, I watched. It. I was like, "Wow, this this doesn't sound right." And so, yeah, they they ended up redubbing it. So I wonder if they're going to like start redubbing movies to be more diverse. Like, I can <laughs> seriously see <laughs> them doing that. It's funny. Have it's funny started? that you bring that up because they they have been doing that with. Um, I knew it. Yeah, we, 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 you know, the whole thing with uh, wokeness. I mean, to to agree, you're right. Right. Um, is I'm not going to say anything is really kind of worth, uh, not worth, but bulletproof when it comes to wokeness. Uh, there has been incidents where things have tried to creep in, and they've been, they've been going after manga for years at this point. Mm. You had one of the um, one of the manga creators say, "Well, maybe we should maybe we should give into this," um, and then obviously there's others who are like, "No." Um, but you're seeing a lot of it with the dubbing companies here in the United States, uh, specifically Funimation. Oh, they yeah, want to start injecting stuff, yeah. a lot of stuff in. And then, you, then you have Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll, which is really funny because they um, were great because they had all the, this large library of of anime that people can get a hold of. That was, that was how I finished watching um, Full, Metal, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is a actual faithful adaptation of the manga, which is just amazing. And um, they... They had all this money that they were getting, and they decided that they're going to go and create their own woke anime. <laughs> and it went over like a bag of dicks. <laughs> I actually, in preparation for this episode, I was looking up stuff about anime, and I stumbled a across two different Reddit threads. One of them, one of the Reddit threads was like, leave my anime alone, you wokest. Yep. And it was just whole rant, right? The other Reddit thread was a woke person that's like, hey, guys, does anybody know where I can find any anime that's woke? <laughs> and I think, I think <laughs> the funny thing is, like, what really kind of spawned a lot of this stuff uh, back in, I guess, I guess it was 2019, uh, was um, Rising of the Shield Hero when that came out. That spawned a thousand articles because uh, the lead character in it gets accused of, of rape, falsely accused of rape, by the way. Uh, and everybody kind of lost their shits, you know, it, it, I mean, because, you know, this is like right after Me Too at this point. And, um, you know, the, the, you know, it, it launched a thousand articles about how awful the anime is. And, you know, I, I picked it up last year on 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 DVD because I couldn't get a hold of it on Blu-ray. Watched the entire series and it was great. It was wonderful. And the thing that is kind of lost on it. Uh, these idiots is the the idea of um, what what happens. You you have this genre with an anime where somebody goes to like a fantasy realm or in the past or in, in another kind of like quote unquote dimension. Um, so the, I, I can't remember the the actual term for it, uh, Chris. You might remember the term. 
but it, it's it's a style or, or a genre where somebody gets displaced, like it, in Inuyasha, uh, Kagome goes into the past. Uh, but in the, in the series, he goes into this other world, which is kind of like a it it feels like they're playing a MMO RPG because okay. the world the rules of the world is like an MMO, and so uh, he becomes the shield hero, and it, these three other individuals are kind of brought back uh, with him from other areas. Uh, so you basically have the spear hero, the sword hero, the bow hero, and the shield hero, and everybody hates the shield hero. Um, so, you know, they basically get, get trained up and are supposed to go out and select a party and, and go f- stop these cataclysmic events. Well, what happens is that the king's daughter, uh, who basically says, I want to be on your team, um, kind of sets him up and accuses him of rape. And it basically, it destroys him. He's like, you know, just super excited to be here, wants to be, help everybody. And what it does is it, is it, it, it takes him from you know kind of being bright-eyed and and, and uh, rosy-cheeked and it makes him this total cynical asshole because at, at this point everybody hates him because mm-hmm. he's been accused of uh, raping the king's daughter and so he he has to go off and, and kind of venture off on his own and, and the reason why it's called the rising of the shield hero is because he's he's got knocked down to this you know to the lowest of the low and even though he's become cynical and jaded he's still kind of goes out of his way to help people. And it's it's about him kind of realizing his own self-worth and becoming an actual hero. It's, I it's, love this storyline. It is a fantastic because story. It's like, oh, I mean, what a great storyline to learn how to deal with everyone believing something untrue about you, the worst about you, and being okay with that because you know who you are. And staying true to yourself. If he's still helping people despite being well, I mean, down he he, he does it begrudgingly because he he's right. you know kind of he's like I said he's cynical and jaded. And I, I love what um, I think it's Lieutenant um, Silver says it destroyed his love of life. Uh, while and um, yeah, uh, Mellormack, I think it's the world. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he 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 basically kind of like uh, loses his drive, his love of life, and um, it, it destroys him as a person. And it's kind of, like, and he ends up finding uh, Raftalia, who is, um, she's like an animal person. Uh, she's like part raccoon. And um, she's a slave. So he he finally, you know, nobody wants to work with him. There's a, there's like a few people that will, in town that will go and help him out. And so he goes and buys this slave girl, Raftalia. He's like, you know, I need help. So I'm going to train you. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the, you know, the series, it's, it's about their about their relationship and their friendship. And as Raftalia levels up, you know, she starts off as this girl and then levels up and becomes like a 21 year old. And and then I guess, again, this is like the rules of the world is that, you know, they, they are leveling up like a D and D character or an MMO character. And right. so uh, her, her leveling up is that she becomes more of an adult with him leveling up. He, he basically expands his shield powers and it's, yeah. it's, it's done very well. And like I said, it's it's a great, you know, just you know, kind of hero's journey. It's about this guy, um, you know, starting from zero. Everybody's spitting on him, and then finding a way to uh, kind of actually become a hero. Let me guess. So the woke said that they uh, were that it was encouraging the trope. They would probably say it was a trope that rape accusations are false. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Spot on, Carrie. Uh, and they probably also <laughs> said uh, it's a it's a support slavery yes okay. well they, they had a, they had a problem with that and they also had a problem with the fact that you know you know she, i i i don't know if maybe they didn't have but yeah like the whole thing it had slavery in it they didn't like that uh they didn't you know 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, that, but primarily it was the, the false rape accusation the that never rape. happens in the real world. Which does happen in the real world. I, <laughs> I, I uh, let me ask you a question. So when I found that Reddit, I found one of those Reddit threads, and and one of them, it was the it was the woke person saying, "Where can I find anime that supports social justice and cares about oppression?" And um, Cartoon and, Network. You know, <laughs> one of the replies to that thread said, "Oh, it's really tough because anime is very conservative. Uh, is conservative how you would describe?" No, oh, not not in the least. I mean, uh, I mean, we, we briefly talked about hentai before going live. I mean, that's I the only kind I know. Did. <laughs> I would not, I would not consider that to be conservative in the least. But I mean, it, it's it's just not it's not politically correct. Is what it is. And of course, you know, people associate that with being conservative. I mean, there there there's a lot of tropes within um, within anime and manga. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those kind of tropes kind of translate over to. Uh, the different genres of of um, anime and manga. Um, like again, I, I can't remember the Japanese term for it, but um, there's a, there's also a type of um, anime and manga where typically there's like a boy or a young man, and there's a lot of women, and all the women are attracted to the guy, but he's oblivious, and 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 also kind of <laughs> reverse too for like a girl and a bunch of guys. Uh, but uh, uh, Tenshi Muyo is a really good example of that, which is again another really you know great. Um, OAV series. So basically, just like any sort of um, genre, there's all these subgenres based on what you're interested in. So yeah. you can read the more like cyberpunk, futuristic, dystopia kind of stuff, or you can read the porn stuff, or you can right. read. Right. I mean, you, you, you don't you have, read you have, it. You have, I mean, you have yeah, you don't read it. No, <laughs> oh. they they have manga that's dedicated to cooking, and this is like really popular stuff. And this stuff outsells American comics. It's about freaking cooking. Or about baseball. I mean, if you have an interest in something, there is a manga for you. <laughs> Gardening? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm... Oh, go ahead. I, I had thought a, I was uh, like throwing out what, it, what stuff is actually called. But like I said, I'm not a weeb. I do, I do <laughs> enjoy anime. I'm semi-knowledgeable in it, but I, I don't know all the terms. So... I have an article. Uh, Cole, if you could click on that first article. Um, it's just the link. It says woke anime at the end, please. Uh, so this article is written by somebody who thinks that the woke stuff is good. It was written in 2018. I have not seen any of the shows that are mentioned in this uh, link, in this article. So people in the chat, please tell me if you agree with this person's assessment or not. But let's see. Uh, I'm going to start well, reading. Then. Oh, there it goes. Cool. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, so this here goes. Stay Woke has been floating around for some time now, ranging from the Erica Badu song, Master Teacher, in 2008, to the police brutality that cost Trayvon Martin, 2012, and Michael Brown, 2014. Their lives, the term when used properly and not in a joking manner, symbolizes healthy paranoia, especially surrounding issues involving race, social, and political justice. The idea circling in turn woke has since then progressed to bring light to racial discrimination and thrived as a rallying cry for modern civil rights movement. Being woke, according to Urban Dictionary, means society needs to be more aware in current affairs and political environments regarding all demographics and social That's not what it means. Standards. No, it doesn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, this person goes in. Uh, anime lovers in the past few years have banded together to join anime fandom and social justice activism. Nonprofit organizations such as Anime for Humanity and Woke Weebs curate events and discuss varying issues of sexism, racism, ableism, and mentalism through anime. I haven't heard that one. That one got me. I'm like, I think Mental- I should call him a mentalist. Mentalism. Actually, that's a new one for me too. I know they. Yeah. I know they pulled mental health and justice under the umbrella, but I've never heard mentalism. Neurodivergence yeah. is what they're calling it. Okay. Anyway, uh, so it says that through anime. These woke anime fan groups have devoted, uh, developed into community organizations that bring anime fans, community leaders, and dis- industry professionals together to meet, connect, and collaborate. So let's see, going on, it says, uh, Anime for Humanity acknowledges that anime characters often depict mental illness such as narcolepsy, autism, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and various forms of mental illness. These characters are not the black sheep of the shows either. They are often the protagonist and the most lovable character for the fans. This creates a safe environment for those dealing with such struggles and makes them not feel like the disability is a burnout, leaves the empty and alone and ostracized. Anime for Humanity also initiate these conversations, opens up channels for dialogue, normalizes mental illness with these communities. And blah, blah, blah. It goes on. I'm going to read down, skip down here. Uh, numerous of the anime shows, such as Death Note, Duranara, uh, Agress to Carl, uh, Paranoia Agent, and many more have storylines centralized on such social issues in order to spark a conversation by depicting these sensitive topics. Wait, 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 oh, wait. Death Note? Really? What the, what the hell are they getting at? I have. Uh, is that because um, L is kind of quirky? Uh, well, uh, let's see. This person says Death Note focuses on social justice through the use of his mystical notebook. Oh my God, that that is not social justice. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolute. I mean, Death, Death Note is good, by the way. It is great. No, it, it, it that is about megalomania and having a god complex. Because at the end of the day, um, Light Yagami is you know he ends up becoming a sociopath, and he basically believes that um, he can go and you know, kill all the bad people out there and force people to be good. And I mean, you, you, I guess to a degree you could say, yeah, that's exactly how a um, SJW would act if they had that kind of power. Um, you know, L is definitely kind of on the spectrum, I would say, but um, uh, God, I, I mean, for them <laughs> just going to equate it to social justice, it's like you're fucking full of shit. And if it was, it's it's not going to be on your side because uh, you could say definitely Light Yagami would be a social justice warrior. <laughs> because that's exactly what a social justice warrior would do if they had the book. Jeez, oh, uh, it sounds well, like wishful thinking. Like they just kind yeah, of want yeah. it to be. Like whoever wrote this is like, let me see anything I can. Like sometimes they go search. Well, they go searching for oppressions and things they want to call out, but they also go searching for heroes or woke allies where they don't exist. You, you know, to c- try and shore up support. Yep. yep. Well, I mean, they could take anything and, you know, apply some, any kind of theory to it, one of those critical theories of some sort, and arrive at the conclusion that they started with, that it's racist, sexist, whatever. Because I, I was joking around once, I think I may have even told you, um, I was joking at how they read stuff, like people go to college and they get indoctrinated and all that stuff, and they find old pieces of literature and movies, film, and start reading narratives of racism and sexism in, in it. So I was joking around once I go, you know, I, 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 was, I was thinking of a movie, first one in my head, I go, uh, Alien. 
So how about the Scorner Weave and Alien movies? That's racist because it is a uh, a giant black alien with a giant black penis on its head that's chasing a tiny white woman running through the ship. It symbolizes the white man's fear of black sexuality. And I kid you not, three <laughs> weeks after I was saying this to someone, I saw an article where some guy, some <laughs> professor, some black professor somewhere was writing an article how aliens was racist and not just aliens, predator too. And that was obvious, the dreadlocks. Well, it's funny that you say that, considering that the guy who was wearing the alien suit was black. That's right. He's <laughs> <laughs> also in, uh, I believe it's the same one who played, uh, or the guy who played Alien was black and Predator was black. And I think the guy who played Predator was also Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. And so that's racist because they have the black guy being a giant monkey. <laughs> oh my gosh. I bet this is a fun game to play, by the way. We should play this one night. You can, re you can pick anything like that, like the movie Alien, mm -hmm. and, and do a an online search. For racist. Oh yeah, you can pick any topic. <laughs> you, you, can, you can Google how candy is racist. I, I shit you not. I found an article on how candy is racist. Candy. Yeah, seriously, because of sugar plantations. Oh. Yeah, that, I, that's what it took it to. Yeah, it, it's great. I mean, it, it, if you if you can think it up, odds are there is an article written about how that such and such thing is racist. It's already yeah, it's already out there. I'm gonna I, do I, just a couple more of these real quick, Chris. Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, William. Thank you, William Owens, says also the price point of manga is a big part. $10 for a good amount of content where an Amer American comics are only a few pages for the same price or more. Yeah, com American comics have gotten really expensive. I mean, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. And the thing that's kind of funny about manga is, you know, they, they basically kind of still print on pulp where American comics have gotten like really fancy. Super and, fancy. you know, this, yeah, super fancy and... I mean, it's gotten to the point where, you know, when when I was a kid collecting comics, you know, I used to get GI Joe, and it was like thirty five cents, you know, a book. Now, now you're looking on average probably paying about five bucks, and you, you could buy a novel for five bucks, five six yeah. bucks, and I'm like, why am I paying five bucks for a book that is basically garbage? Yeah, they should go back to pulp. It's almost, it makes me think of a like they're trying to be the. Uh, that's what Alterno does. They're trying to be the records or like the LPs of, of, <laughs> you know, people pay a high price point to get an album today on a record because it's, because it's, it's sort of nostalgia and then, oh, yeah. and it sounds better. And like, let's go back to that. But I can't see p paying that much for this analogy is falling totally flat. Never mind. There that are nine dollars, dude. Nine freaking dollars. Yeah. Well, so I used to read Walking Dead, and I and I would read the uh, what did you call them when they put them in a book all together? The trades. Trades. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, they got very expensive because I started to where I didn't want to buy the little single issues anymore, and so I would wait until they put them in those big bound books, and they're they're quite expensive. But it makes me think of like buying a record because you know it's it's an expensive product that you're getting and and you're right when we were kids they would just print it on like trash paper oh, yep well and the, <laughs> the funny thing about it is um most modern comic books i mean that like the, the big thing is that everyone's like you know there's the whole issue with the speculator market and the fact that if you go out and buy a five dollar comic book and then go and resell it like at uh, a used bookstore you're getting paid pennies on the dollar for it i mean yeah. it, it's like you might get 50 cents for it I mean, they are literally not worth the paper they're printed on these days. 
And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, there's zero collectability. I mean, just with, with how poorly written they are, yeah. uh, with, with the way, the, the, how bad the art is and how terrible the storylines are. And uh, it's filled with ideology. Nobody, nobody wants to collect this Nobody shit. wants them. Nobody no. wants it. I, 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 when I moved to my new house, I legit sold almost every single issue of All New, All Different. And this is probably like um, a good... I don't remember how long it ran. I, it was like a year or two, but I, I I sold three years worth of comics, and I I would say it was probably maybe three hundred dollars. No, it was worth more than that. It, it was probably like five hundred dollars worth of comics. Uh, I got thirty bucks. Wow, you'd get a better return on Beanie Babies. Yeah. <laughs> what if these uh, comics become like super like expensive and worth something because they're so bad? You're <laughs> like, hey, you remember that time when people were obsessed with race and gender and are flipping all these characters around? Well, maybe maybe they'll Actually, be worth something years later because of how rare they've become. I mean, that, that's the reason why comics became worth money in the beginning with, right? Is because mm -hmm. the fact that they were printed on disposable paper, uh, they nobody took care of it. They got thrown out, stuff like that. You had worth them in the 50s. Um, you know, so there was a lot of stuff that got destroyed. And what did survive was worth money. I mean, it, it's the reason why, you know, X-Men number one and like 0.5 condition, which is shitty condition for a comic <laughs> book can sell for a thousand dollars. I think you're onto something, Mr. Chris, because I do think the woke ideology is, is explicitly racist and sexist and, and all of these things it claims to be fighting. It is those things. And, at some point, if if we win, if we win the culture wars, if things turn around, it might increase in value because, like, yeah, if you're looking back and you're saying, "Remember that awful time in history," it's the sort of the way when you go to thrift stores now. There's always that section of like the ra the old racist knickknacks and doodads and stuff. Wait, where's that? Um, what? I've never, I've never seen that. You know, like the mammies and and all the all the like salt and pepper shakers and I things want like that. that, that I, you should help me decorate my kitchen. I kind of want to just get a bunch of old, old racist art and not yeah. say anything about it. And just when people come in and they're like, <laughs> well, you, you've seen that, that sign in my kitchen where uh, it's like a black guy with oh, a, yeah. uh, some syrup and goes, this sure am good. That's, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's what I'm talking about. Racism. That stuff is, is worth a pretty penny now because it's yeah. sort of, you it, it, right, Chris, it, it, it is funny. And, but people look at that and they're like, oh, my God, you must destroy it because of how awful it is. It, it's like, OK, whatever. It's, it's a piece of history. It's a reminder right. of the shit that yes. happened, right? And, and, and we can all have a good laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. It's like you don't want to forget that time that that happened. So whenever I see that stuff in the thrift shops, I'm like, oh, gosh, somebody should put that in the museum. Uh, Ken Lipson. Five dollars. Thank you, sir. Says also, can comics discuss the significance of '80s morning anime like Star Avengers and Guy King? Is that guy? Is that right? Oh my god! Um, a lot of the stuff I watched when I was younger, um, and this a lot of the stuff kind of started back in the '70s, right? Because they they would take um, uh, an anime series and they would well, actually shit started way back longer than that '60s with um, um shit. I'm totally blanking. Um, Speed Racer being one, and there's the kid that was the kind of the robot with the jet legs. I'm totally blanking. Astro Boy. Astro Boy, thank you. So a, a lot of that kind of started in the 60s. Uh, and of course, when I was younger, I mean, 
um, Astro Boy and Speed Racer were in syndication. So I, I was watching Speed Racer in the 70s. Uh, and they also had uh, what, what is called here, uh, initially it was called Battle of the Planets. And uh, in Japan, it was called uh, Gachaman. And um, it was funny because uh, I remember as, even as a kid watching Battle of the Planets going, the villain's a woman. Why, why does the... Why does that character look like a woman? But it was, but it was uh, voice dubbed as a as a man. But it was actually the, the character really was a woman. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember, and then and then in the eighties, okay, that's so, real uh, sexism, by the way. Yeah, like, that, that, why is that, that man legit, so pretty? Damn it! Yeah, no, that you know, absolutely. That like that is like legit sexism. <laughs> in the eighties, you had Robotech. And yes, Robotech, uh, which is comprised of three different uh, anime series. Uh, the first one being Macross, which is a which is Macross, and then you have uh, Southern Cross, which I, I don't remember um, what that one's called. Same same thing with um, uh, what, what it was their next generation. Um, uh, shit, I'm totally blanking. I think it maybe was called Southern Cross in the original, but anyway, um, that was great. Okay, that that was really my gateway into anime. Is I, I freaking loved Robotech, and. Yeah. I mean, it, it was so hard to get a hold of, and they, and they put it on at really bizarre hours. I mean, I, I remember when I was in high school, getting up at like six a.m. Mospita, thank you. Uh, that was um, the third one. Was Mospita? Um, I was getting up at six a.m. before school to go watch Robotica on TV because wow. that's when they aired it, six thirty in the freaking morning. And I, I would go and record it. Invid Invasion, yeah, I love that. Honestly, the third one is I, I would have to say probably my favorite uh, because I, I just love the. I, I just love it. <laughs> I love all three, but uh, and I never even one. heard of this one. I'm looking it up right now. Well, it, it was. Uh, it, it was. Um. Someone, someone out there who knows something and is not suffering from stream brain. Who, 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 who translated the Robotech series? Um. um the show was adapted. Metro. From Metro was a Metro Golden Mare. No, it wasn't Metro Golden Mare. It was uh, Golden Harmony. Harmony Gold. Harmony Gold. USA. Harmony Gold. There we go. Uh, Har Harmony Gold is, is what basically brought it to America, and they did it as a like all good '80s cartoons as a means to sell toys, mm -hmm. um, even though their toys were kind of garbage. Uh, but uh, it was um, it that was, was good. A, that was a special time. Yeah, it, it, all it, it, all it, the TV shows were just basically long adverts for the toys. Yeah, basically, <laughs> and then and then you get into like the '90s with Dragon Ball Z. Um, and Pokemon, Pokemon and all, all, all this, all this other stuff. Uh, but you know, you 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 also had uh, back in the eighties, uh, Go Go Thirteen, uh, which is you know the movies were great. <laughs> Some very adult anime, uh, by the way. Um, trying to remember what else was I watching. Uh, Lodos Wars was um, another thing I was watching. Um, so this is this is funny. Uh, so there's this guy in San Antonio named Ben Dunn. Uh, I think Ben Dunn is actually. Name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember Ben Dunn is actually Japanese or or, or um, Korean or Chinese, but he he had family. He may, maybe he's Japanese. I don't remember. I have to look into it. But he he had family in Japan, and they would go and send him stuff, and he would actually go and play the undubbed, unsubbed uh, anime on public access. What? Yeah, it was. So great. was it was it filthy? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, okay. it, 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 Lotus, Lotus Wars again is it, more fantasy. It's it's okay. um, 
uh, very, it has elves and you know sorcery and priests and you know it's very it's very D and D like. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what else he did. So that was my introduction to to Lodos Wars, and that, that was like early '90s. Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah, people bring up Ninja Scrolls, which is the the movie is great. Um, the the series, the anime series, I didn't think was as good, uh, but the movie was fantastic. Uh, Vampire Hunter D is good. Uh, but you, I mean, now now you I have all this stuff like uh, Samurai Champloo, Sham which is which is great, which is kind of this mixture of um, I think it was like Edo era uh, it takes place in the Edo era, but they have like a uh, hip hop music. <laughs> it's, <okay. laughs> it's please tell me it's like Japanese people rapping. Please. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're all Japanese, awesome. but it, it's just like the just like the the soundtrack is um, is you know kind of hip hoppy. It, it's it's great. Oh yeah, so someone also brought up Star Blazers. Star Blazers, which I I'm obsessed with Star Blazers, but here's the thing: I've never actually seen the episode because I always like uh, I'm a huge War Two buff, and so uh, Yamato, I love the battleship, and I always loved how they in the story they took this old battleship and make it into a space cruiser. And I actually watched the movie. Um, Japan made a live action movie of Star Blazers like a decade ago. I think it's on YouTube right now for free. But uh, I enjoyed that, and so I need to watch the old series. Well, the, the, what was great is that uh, back in the back in the two thousands, you know, you had Adult Swim and Toonami on Cartoon Network, and Toonami got the licenses for a bunch of really good anime series. Uh, so obviously, they they got Inuyasha, they they um, they got Cowboy Bebop, which was really kind of my gateway into to Bebop, uh, which is to me one of the you know pinnacle series everybody has if you're a fan of anime or you want to get into anime you have to watch cowboy bebop because it's it's so freaking good um i'm trying to remember what else they were Didn't doing they, have so Gundam it, wing? they had Gundam wing Gundam wing is good i actually own all the all Gundam wing on uh dvd uh and, and eventually they started playing the original Gundam series um I'm trying to remember what else they, they were doing uh people i also bring up say Man, which has been around for a long oh, time yeah, yeah, yeah galaxy express uh, 999 is um that also I'm trying to remember what, which um universe that takes place into but yeah shit i mean there's there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff out there that i've forgotten um that kind of the groundwork for yeah. where we're at now trigon was also on uh adult not adult swim but tanami and that that's another phenomenal series oh my god so good can I pull up? I, I wanted to switch gears for a second. Uh, if now's a good time, you were talking about culturally, like uh, Japan's history with war and how that kind of influenced some of the anime and this fascination with, you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction and annihilation. I want to talk about the sexual ones because <laughs> 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 I, 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 I kind of want to get into a little bit about Japanese culture and why there is that like certain um, not that not that I think Japan is any more sexually frustrated or sexually confused or, or what have you or, or um, over the top than the US it's just different it just expresses itself in a different way um, somebody in the chat said I look lost a second ago I'm sorry I was <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll like get back to the name of the shows. I don't know, but I want to talk about this for one second. Can you bring up this article, Cole? It's a it's the one that was the college article I sent you on Telegram, and uh, it was about this guy who took a, a trip. It's to took a trip to Japan, and he's talking about just the different ways that you see sexuality expressed there. And I wanted to read some of this to you and get your take on it. Have you been to Japan? 
comics? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Okay. I mean, I used to date a Japanese girl in college, but. <laughs> that counts. I, I, I do Google Earth. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're. this is a really cool thing I learned from Mystery Chris. Yeah, you can have a uh, vacation at home. Just do a Google Earth thing, drop yourself in the middle of Tokyo, get some sushi, put on some J-pop. You're good. He, he actually like to visit places he wants to visit he'll go on google earth and then he will like put on the music from the place and stuff and then just like tool around the city and look at all the streets and everything yeah like, best part is i ain't wearing no pants <laughs> <laughs> um the article cole it's the varsity online piece uh well while you're pulling it up i'm gonna read just a little bit from this uh oh wait Maybe the link didn't work. Maybe that's why I see. Oh, wait, here it is. Land of the Rising Sun, Sexuality in Japan. So this is a person writing from the UK. And so first they talk about uh, the United Kingdom, and then they get into what it was like visiting Japan. So they say, walking around the streets of Japan, it appears to be an openly sexual nation with an evident erotic culture. Pornography is visually available throughout Japan. The shopping alleys of Osaka are lined with explicit sex shops open in the daytime neighboring par uh, popular karaoke places and restaurants. While a sexually liberated society is certainly something to be celebrated, there are more problematic issues at hand here. <laughs> By the way, this is a woke person writing this. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. <laughs> um, there are more problematic issues at hand here. Many aspects of Japan's famous erotic world uh, encourage mo or in other words a fetish for the hyper feminine innocent and even childlike character who is so often seen in manga and particularly in its pornographic form so-called hentai you don't have to look far to see this the countless convenience stores in japan have erotic magazines openly on display depicting manga girls in school uniforms furthermore it cannot be forgotten that possession of child pornography was only banned in japan in 2014 and that pornographic manga depicting minors that are catered towards uh, the pedophilic uh, lolicon and shotokan fetishes is still legal today. While I am in no way suggesting that every part of Japan's sexual society is disturbing to this extent, it cannot be denied that Japan's sexual openness is certainly a controversial topic. And yet at times, it seems that sexuality is more hidden in Japan than it is in Britain. We have become accustomed to sex playing a mundane role in the media, Game of Thrones frequently uses sex as a literal backdrop to the central conversation or action of the scene. While sex scenes are, of course, present in Japanese television and film, it does not seem to have the same function of being placed into the plot for the sake of it, but usually only if it is relevant to the storyline. Japanese dramas often seem to build romances in such a way that a kiss is as much of a turning point in a character's relationship as a sex scene would be, and these love stories are more like modern fairy tales than anything. Television with real people does not seem to portray the same sexual explicitness or experimentation that is seen in fantasy forms such as manga. Women celebrities acting as real representatives of the Japanese female population do not appear to have the opportunity to standardize everyday female sexuality. Okay, I'm almost done. I just want to get your take on this at this last para. What represents this paradoxical concept of sexual frankness alongside sexual privacy is Japan's ongoing chaikan pervert problem 
This usually refers to women being groped and on packed public transport. The act has even uh, become a popular feature in Japanese pornography. Signs reading Beware of Chaikon are dotted around the cities and some train lines provide women-only carriages during rush hour. This is something I've heard a lot about, how creepers on trains and stuff will like take photos of women's legs and try yeah. to get like photos of like up the skirt or, or whatever, that it's a, a common thing that happens i mean i know that yeah, it's happened on... in new york at the whole you had the whole thing yes. um back in the day with upskirting right i mean that was like a yes. big thing for a while i mean i've seen some gross stuff on new york subways too so japan's not I, alone. I don't Maybe. i don't think it's exclusive but there, there is some context that needs to be you know put around some of that so the the, the big thing too is and again chat you can correct me if i'm wrong here i believe the aging consent uh in japan is 13. uh so that obviously i think kind of explains a lot of that and um, again, I, I'm, I'm speaking purely from an anthro uh, anthropological standpoint or anthropological right. standpoint. Right, trying to understand it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, by, by no means do I, you know, as a Western You're right. Zone, uh, a, a lot of stuff. Okay, so someone's saying it's 16, not, not 13. But uh, a, a lot of the stuff that when it comes to age of consent is very much cultural-based. And yes, we are very much used to cult cultural norms in the West. Um, but yeah, th there are definitely other cultures that for the most part, really kind of don't exist anymore where it was very much different, where you had um, a very young woman, typically, you know, age 13, being married to a much older man. So that is uh, e e that that happened even in the United States to a degree, too. Um, like my my grandmother, I want to say that, you know, she was like 15 and married to my grandfather and I think he was well into his 20s. Um, but that's something that is, you know, no longer as common. But, yeah, I mean, th there's a reason why the Japanese schoolgirl thing is a thing in Japan, and it's because their age of consent is so low. That's that's a I, I didn't know that. I, I people in the chat are saying it's sixty. Am I still dropping frames? People said I'm. Dropping yeah, you're dropping frames. a little bit. Yeah, I, I so yeah, uh -huh. it, it's sixteen is what they um, I got corrected on, but I, I knew it was low. Yeah, but but I'm not seeing that it changed. What I'm seeing is at 13, Japan's base age of consent is the lowest of any developed country. Is it? Oh, however, so it is 13. I was right. Okay. Yeah, it says, however, many prefectures also have local corruption of minors or obscenity statutes, which raise the de facto age of consent to 16, unless okay. they are in a, quote, sincere romantic relationship, which is usually determined by the parents. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's interesting. I mean, it definitely cultural norms shift as we uh, figure out things like, hey, murder's wrong. And yeah. uh, slavery is wrong. <laughs> and hey, maybe a 13 year old, maybe that's too young. Um, but the, and there were the norms here weren't always what they are. I mean, I, I, I remember being shocked to find out. Was it uh, Great Balls of Fire? What's his name? Jerry Lee Lewis. No, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. He didn't he marry a 13 year old? I mean, it was yeah. I think it, that was more common back then. I mean, mm -hmm. even Elvis, when he started dating Priscilla, she was pretty young. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but I think that has something to do with it. I don't know. I want, I would, I would love to talk to somebody from Japan to talk a little more about like how, why the culture sees, why the culture has, how it has influenced anime to this degree where you see like all this sort of more infantile looking girls with, like I said, like the big eyes and you see some of that now in American uh, animation with well, things big, like, big eyes uh, is basically a reflection of innocence, um, mm -hmm. and that is very much you can see that within um, 
manga and anime is that typically the the, the wiser or more world weary you are, the kind of like smaller your eyes are. Where to you know to be young and youthful and, and experienced, you tend to have like large big eyes because you know you have not really seen the world for what it is yet. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for taking us in that direction. I know we were having a good. No, that's fine. Before. I'm gonna uh, bring it up some because that took a dark turn. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, here, go. Well, that's uh, a but, part of it. That's what I. It's very much a cultural thing, and that's the other thing too that you have to understand about Japan is, you know. Pan, for the most part, you know, it, it is an ethno state, right? I mean, it, it's, you know, they, they are uh, very scared of foreigners. Uh, I had a coworker, um, and this is like, uh, I wouldn't say too long ago, it was like 2012. And he, he went to Japan and he, he's a white guy. Uh, he's talking about how he was walking down the streets and you'd have people that would go and cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 Japan is, you know, for the most part, still pretty xenophobic, but... Um, yeah, they hate Chinese people. Yeah. Well, do you think, <laughs> that too. <laughs> I have a question. Do you think that's why? So some people think, and I actually, I have an article if we want to look through it, but I, I found a few articles where people said, you know, manga, anime will never become woke. It won't, the Japanese culture can't tolerate woke. And do you think part of that is because so much of woke is centered around this uh, Western idea of somehow Western values being a part of white supremacy? Possibly. Um, I, I I was aware there, there was one, I think it was a manga creator basically saying, yeah, we should, we should do what they say, they, what the Americans are complaining about. And, and I, I don't know if they will ultimately capitulate. I, I think really kind of the back door is basically these translation companies that are here, here in the United States that is where I think they they might get them. Uh, e even if it doesn't come doesn't go to Japan, uh, the Americans will wokeify the anime here. Uh, that that's all. That's a very much a possibility. If we can't force you to do it, we'll just do it here, and they'll they'll you know work it in. in some the American version. But how yeah. much sense would it make in Japan to be talking about white privilege and white supremacy? Well, I mean, the, the, well a, a lot of that, yeah. it, it's more of the feminism aspect and, you yeah. know, just kind of the stuff that we talked about with, um, you know, the, the whole thing with, you know, young girls and stuff like that. I mean, uh, there there is that kind of influence. And you have to understand too, a lot, a lot of the, um, like I said, a lot of the girls that, you know, people are complaining about are of age in Japan. Uh, like uh, Yuko, Yuko-chan, Yuko-chan, uh, She's like this girl with uh, short hair and big tits. Um, looks, I think she's supposed to be about eighteen or so in the in the the anime. I, I don't, I don't, or manga. I don't, I don't know what what she's from. Uh, but that was like that. That's something that they always bring up. The SJWs always complain about is Yuka Chan. Hmm. Um, somebody says Zuka Chan. Okay. Darren says woke has irritated Japan so much it's become a congressional issue. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. If you can drop a link in the chat, I'd be very curious to see what you're talking about. Um, did you have some, anything else you wanted to touch on, Mystery Chris? Yeah, I want to talk about giant robots. Uh, robots. Yeah, I, I've always loved robots, uh, American robots, Japanese robots, any kind of robot I love. So uh, I found this article on Wired, and you don't have to pull this up, Cole. I'm going to read a, a paragraph of it, but uh, it talks about this person's kind of given their theory as to why Japan loves robots so much and why the West fears it. And so this person put in a, uh, a paragraph that quotes the uh, 
uh, creative Adam boy. So I just want to read this paragraph real quick and then I want to show a video. Uh, so it goes, uh, the general idea that Japanese accept robots far more easily than Westerners is fairly common these days. Osama Tezuka, the Japanese cartoonist and creator of Atom Boy, noted the relationship between Buddhism and robots, saying, Japanese don't make a distinction between man, the superior culture, and the world about him. Everything is fused together, and we accept robots easily along with the wide world around us. The insects, the rocks, it's all one. We have none of the doubting attitude towards robots as pseudo-humans that you find in the West. So here you find no resistance, simply quiet acceptance. And while the Japanese did, of course, become agrarian and then industrial, Shinto and Buddhism uh, influences have caused Japan to retain many of the rituals and sensibilities of more pre-humanist period. Oh. That's interesting because I've, I've read something about how Japanese culture, specifically you're talking about Buddhism and how it influences a lot of the storylines. And, and also it was saying that... Uh, as a result that a lot of the shows tend to be more collectivist in nature where as American shows tend to be more individualist hero. Like there's one hero who saves the day and they were making the argument that, that anime Japanese anime is more um, groups of people learning how to work together to save the day. Yeah, it, it is, I would say. But that, again, that's that's cultural. It's the same thing you could say with Europe. Europe is also very collectivist. Um, America, I would say, we're probably a little more on the unique side where we very much value, for the most part, individual individuality and individualism over collectivism. Mm -hmm. That's one of the interesting things I've always loved about Japanese culture because you had this culture that developed in the East largely outside the influence of Western powers up until the end of World War II, where they lost. Yep. And then suddenly you have the Western powers and a lot of corporations and capitalism come in, and it melded with the culture that was already there to, to make this weird, unique culture. Because like I've always found Japan and a lot of those Far Eastern countries more interesting than European countries. Like I, I'm not trying to sound offensive, but it always seemed more alien in a sense because so much of our own culture here in America comes from Europe. You know, so much of the architecture and the art, uh, the political systems, there are a lot more similarities between us and Europe than between us and Japan. And so I was always just fascinated, particularly by their obsession with like, like I was saying earlier with robots and technology and the progression of society through technology. And like the article was hinting about how they don't tend to really fear that progression of technology the way that some Americans, some of us in the West do. Well, the, the thing that's so interesting about Japan, I mean, for the most part, I mean, they, they lived in a feudalistic society up to like the late 1800s when you, you had the West start showing up. And then you, you had this uh, Western influence kind of like coming in and eventually they, they kicked all the Westerners out. And at that point, they realized that for them to compete on the world stage, they had to rapidly industrialize, which ultimately led to what happened with uh, World War II was because of that, you know, ultra that nationalism that they had and, you know, the rapid industrialization. I mean, it, it, it's like, yeah, sure, they had trains, but for the most part, most people, I mean, and it's it's. It's really great because a lot of these um, anime series like um, Demon Slayer kind of cap captures this dichotomy of you have, you know, trains and industrialization going on. But for the most part, most people are still living like they've been living for hundreds of years, you know, which wow. is in this very kind of feudal society. Uh, Cole, if you could uh, bring up a video and the email sent you says Gundam video, please bring that up. 
I want to see uh, comments if you've seen this before. I mean, it's been around for a while, so you probably have. But I'm sure Carrie hasn't. And other people. While you're bringing this up, I'm just going to say the fact that you said Japanese culture always seemed alien to you, that is enough to be canceled for that. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> in, in, and in fact, in the knitting, that's what started the SJW Knitting Wars was there was a, a knitter who posted a blog talking about how she had always wanted to go to India. She had just gotten word that she was going to be able to finally go to India. And she was so excited. She felt like she had won a trip to Mars and that was enough to destroy her. (laughs) And the first of the SJW wars happened because of that. Cause they said they came in and said, if you say that something is alien or like winning a trip to Mars, that therefore that's racist because you're comparing people of color to alien. It's like, no, oh my God, they have no fucking clue. (laughs) It is alien. It's foreign. That's what what that (laughs) word means. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I, I, in my defense, I love Chinese food. I drive an Asian car. I love techno music. So that- you're culturally appropriating <laughs> something, something, something. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, is Cole there? Cole, are you there? Oh, no. There. I think he dropped out. Oh, no. He did. What did you uh, want to show? I can pull it up. Oh, can you bring in that email I sent you? Uh, there's a link that says Gundam video. You bring it up, yeah, but I'm going to bring it up. But you should know my internet seems spotty. Maybe that's why Cole okay. dropped out. I'm just gonna ask you to skip around anyway, so it's not gonna watch it play. Okay, let's see. Hold on one second. Da, 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 da. Carrie does the tech. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it just is it just me or is Chris getting kinda like choppy? Oh, am I getting robotty too? We're probably all getting choppy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's on my end or not. <laughs> Would you say we're getting karate choppy? Ah. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can do this. Share. Now, if I share this, are you going to see all of my recent searches are true crime? Oh. <laughs> what is it with women in true crime? I don't know. It's like, that's what I watch to relax. <laughs> okay, oh, here we gee. go. You, you get along with my wife. See if you can hear this. And just skip around. Uh, no need. So they built a giant Gundam. Yes, they did. I, I think that is so freaking amazing. Yeah, this is awesome. Wow. I, totally this. I, I just want to work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to work. <laughs> with giant fighting robots. Yeah, it moves. It, yeah, they show it light up at night when it comes in. Whoa! Yeah. Is there a human in there operating that? Not in their suit. And look, uh, he, he's taking a knee for George Floyd. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they gave him the woke chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they actually have. There's this one. There's another one too. I don't think it's as big as that, but yeah, they have. Um, I don't know. Japan. Japan's working on building giant fighting robots. Yeah, See, I love those guys. And so is Elon Musk. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. Wow. Yeah, that's just. I mean, that again, just very different culturally. It's also. I know it's. We're not talking about this. We're talking about anime, but 
I am a fan of horror movies and even the horror movies are different because of the culture is so different. So yeah. that whole, that whole um, genre of films where they have like the scary waif like girl with the long hair and like the ring, you know, that, that is a very Asian kind of uh, trope in horror movies yeah. is, you know, the, very yeah, a lot of the, the very kind of like ghost based, right. You, you know, it's, it's uh, demons and ghosts. It's not like you're, I mean, they have like some fantasy creatures, like the you know the the, the two-tailed fox or the ten-tailed fox or whatever. Um, but a, a lot a lot of it, it deals with demons and spirits. Yeah, you know, and that's obviously that there's a really fun. I want to say it's a PS2 game called Fatal Frame, and that the whole the whole thing is that you're going around, you're you're, you're taking pictures of ghosts in a nutshell. I mean, that's the oversimplified version of the story. But that game is scary as shit. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna look that game up. Is it on the old uh, Xbox 360? It's PS uh, PlayStation. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not for me then. Um, yeah, that's very different because American horror, I think, is more like a well, it's it's all the monster movies. You know, it's it's the and not the giant Mothra and Vervats and stuff. It's more of like the werewolves, the vampires, the zombies. Yeah. Um, I think that's very like classic American horror, um, culturally very different. Yeah. Even, um, cause you know, you, you had the grudge, which again was another remake and, and back in, I guess it was like maybe early two thousands, uh, where they kind of got really big. And, and that's the thing that sucks about it. It, it shows you that how creatively bankrupt Hollywood has been <laughs> for a while is that they would go in and it would, they would find something and adapt it. And Hollywood got really big into adapting Japanese movies because uh, The Departed is essentially a, uh, a Japanese film, um, a, an American Americanized version of a Japanese film. And the, the same thing with The Grudge and um, the other stuff what? that came out around that time period, which I'm totally blanking on. The uh, I know one. I think it was called Cell or something like it. My old client, Margaret Cho, was in it. It was a remake of an Asian horror. And I think it was like where the phone called you and then you died. <laughs> and that was so... <laughs> Oh, I know yeah. one. Uh, tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. <laughs> That's not a horror. That's a good no. movie. Yeah, well, okay. it's still pretty scary seeing uh, Wesley Snipes in drag. <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Could they do that movie today, you think? No. <laughs> not even close. They would they have would... to get actual trans people to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's exploiting. It's appropriation. Yeah. You guys, I'm going to have to wrap up a little early because I promised someone else I would come hang out on their show tonight. So any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of whipped out my um, anime collection of, of stuff I picked up recently so I can recommend to people. Um, things that I, I've been watching, which is really good. I know this has been mentioned. Angel Cop is good. Okay. Uh, there's a really funny one. It's it, Again, it's fantasy. Uh, it's called that time I was resurrected as a slime. It's pretty funny. Um, there is also, is it wrong to pick up uh, girls in a dungeon, which is again, also really fun. <laughs> I also like Appleseed again, big on, um, you know, the cyberpunk. And that's also from the creator of uh, ghost in the shell. Uh, of course I do have ghost in the shell. <laughs> uh, there is also the uh, Japanese anime for Witchblade. Uh, which was an American comic, which is also great. Uh, Overlord, 
which is another fantastic anime. Uh, it's again fantasy. It's uh, about this guy uh, from Tokyo that gets sucked into this fantasy world. Really good. Goblin Slayer, which is also very, very <laughs> controversial Got- because it has rape in it. Um, great, uh, great series. Um, Claymore. Um, this is what I was initially talking to you about, Carrie, when we were uh, talking about anime a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. And I recently picked this up. I haven't watched it yet. It's called Psychopaths. Psychopaths. P-A-S-S? Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that title. And uh, that that's kind of uh, some friends were telling me about it uh, because I'm running my cyberpunk tabletop. And they were like, you got to check out Psychopaths. And I'm like, okay, I'll have to do that. What is that one about? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't watched it. But essentially, in yeah. a nutshell, is that you have these people that um, I think they're police – and they kill crazy people, but there's some people that get away with it because they have the psychopaths. Okay. I, I, that's one that would be in my wheelhouse. I hate that expression, wheelhouse, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picked it up a couple weeks ago and I have not checked it out yet. Oh, oh, Berserk. Berserk is good. You got to read the, uh, the, the manga Berserk. And, and again, this is a cultural thing. Jap- the Japanese are really big on their rape for some reason. Yeah, I think I think again, you could do a whole show just about like the strange cultural differences in the, the sexual part of like anime and Japanese culture in particular. But it's the thing is, it's not just like uh, they're exploiting women. I mean, that the whole thing with Berserk is Guts himself is, um, you know, raped as a child. You know, it's um, you know they 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 are not afraid to go there, right? That and that's the thing that uh, I think that the SGWs don't like is the fact that. Where here in the United States or in the West, we won't go there because they will get upset, right? Where the Japanese, you know, they have zero fucks. They will. They will go there. Yeah, for a good story. Yeah. And life is like that. So uh, let me do two more of these that I missed. Uh, 32 Flavors of Nickelweiser. What a great Nick, name. Nickweiser. Oh, Nickweiser. <laughs> that was like Nickelback. No. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Gilded? Hashtag six division long, hard, strong. What does that mean? Okay. um, So my my community has named themselves the Dicks Division. uh, Thanks to Toxic Command Flu. And and, uh, Gilded is like a is like Discord is a Discord replacement. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. And 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 we I don't know what happened. We were trying to get Tom to get on Gilded, and he kept refusing. And we we turned this whole joke about. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Gilded? <laughs> ah, I see. So is that what you're using then? Yeah, I use Gilded, Gilded now. Yeah. I'm not I'm not using any of those yet. I don't it's too much for me to keep up with. Well, you, you, have, you definitely have to have some people willing to help you out. Um Toxic Manflu has been doing a fantastic job. Um that's one of the things that we're trying to build is a gilded community. And right now we have like a, a hundred members within our gilded. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, and Gilded um, sounds more like it's uh like you might get together at a Ren Fair. Uh, yeah. I like the name better than Discord. Okay. And last one, Incog Cheeto. Thank you, sir. Says, not Death Note. I'm an SJW and fighting for equality. Do you support equality and inclusion? <laughs> no? Well, I'm writing your name down. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Thank you guys for hanging out tonight. I, have, I know you got something, Chris. Yeah. One more. Are you able to share audio from a video? Possibly. It's a very uh, short video. Yeah, yeah. Is it in the? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, 
monkey monkey guts. Okay. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull it up. Because I had shut that tab. I'm sorry. Because this is one of my favorite videos. It's bizarre, but it's weirdly soothing and comforting. Okay, let's do this. Thanks, that's what I need. <laughs> oh, vamp. Yeah, we can probably vamp for Carrie while she goes. <laughs> what a bunch of videos. <laughs> okay, what is this? Oh, it's just great. Okay. Get the unmuted, though. Yeah, unmuted, please. <laughs> I like what it says. <laughs> Progress of sound continues, but what about mankind? Is this a commercial? It's originally a commercial, but they took the Guts theme, which comics, you just mentioned the show. I, I've never watched the show, but the character named Guts, that's the theme. Oh, that's that great. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, comics, for spending time with us. Um, tell people where they can find you if they don't already know you. Ah, yeah, you, you can find me on the Twitters and the YouTubes at Comics Division. Uh, tomorrow night, I I have my my stream Thursday Night Throwdown where I have uh, Mike Evans of XRL7 on. Uh, if you haven't checked out X-LR7, go check it out. It is a um, pixel animated cartoon uh, that kind of deals with like uh, cancel culture. And it takes place in the future. It's about a fictitious band called XLR7. And uh, it's um, it's good, uh, really good. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to Mike. It's gonna be fantastic. Cool. If you guys want to join the Dicks Division, you can find him online. I was trying not to laugh. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys again. If you want to check out the show, I'm going to be on in a little bit. It's uh, the Shagsworth channel. Shagsworth is sometimes in our chat. You guys may know him. Uh, and I'll be there in just a few minutes. So thank you guys. We're going to go out on a video.